Republicans have failed to coalesce behind a choice for Speaker of the House with Donald Trump's pick Jim Jordan not getting the support of the Republican conference, Steve Scalise getting the support of the Republican conference and now raising the questions of where do Republicans go from here? Another loss for Donald Trump. Again, this incredible contrast where he controls the vast majority of the Republican primary, but seems increasingly to be ignored by actual Republicans in the House of Representatives. And then, of course, the practical question, when will there be a speaker of the House? What can the House even do absent a speaker? The answer is not very much. And so we will start with uh, the, the, the first element of this um, report, Washington Post. Republicans fail to coalesce around speaker choice, leaving House in limbo. Steve Scalise was nominated by a majority of the conference. But he did not have the support of 217 lawmakers needed to claim the gavel on the floor. So what happens now? House Republicans were on the verge of open revolt Wednesday after the ideologically fractious conference. That's an understatement. Ideologically fractious conference failed to coalesce around a speaker, leaving the chamber rudderless and leaderless for an eighth day. The inability of House Republicans to agree on who will leave them, uh, lead them, has left them in an effective standstill since Kevin McCarthy was ousted. Uh, unable to consider any legislation to aid Israel in its war against Hamas, pass any appropriations bills to avoid a potential government shutdown in mid-November. Now, importantly, Majority Leader Steve Scalise was nominated for speaker by a majority of Republicans during a closed-door secret ballot early Wednesday. But a significant number of Republicans from across the ideological spectrum said they planned to protest his official election on the floor. Jim Jordan, Scalise's challenger, initially refused to say he would back Scalise on the House floor. A spokesperson said Jordan would back Scalise and offered to give a nominating speech on his behalf. So Jim Jordan has some serious problems. And much like we've been talking about how becoming president may have been the worst business decision that Donald Trump ever made for himself and for his family. Jim Jordan's past, as Newsweek now writes, comes back to haunt him as Ohio State wrestlers speak out. Let me remind you what this is all about. Jim Jordan, when he worked uh, at Ohio State, uh, was there at the same time as a horrible sexual assault scandal involving a guy named Dr. Strauss. The belief is that Dr. Strauss, I don't have the numbers in front of me, sexually assaulted and harassed over 100, close to 200 different wrestlers. And while there is no allegation that Jim Jordan was involved in the assaults, there are multiple allegations, including now from former wrestlers, that there is no way in hell that Jim Jordan didn't know it. And what we know is that Jim Jordan did nothing about it, didn't blow the whistle, didn't do anything to stop it. This has been sort of dragging Jim Jordan in not the most visible ways for a while. And now with Jim Jordan at the forefront, although not winning the Republican vote yesterday uh, for speaker, uh, this is becoming a bigger and bigger story. The degree to which this will be what prevents Jordan from being speaker, I actually don't think it is going to be the thing that prevents him from being speaker. But this gets us to our sort of next question. Even Trump's endorsement, not enough to get you the speakership at this time. And it raises more and more questions about Trump's lack of influence. There, there is this interesting dichotomy 
There's an interesting contrast. Some might call it a contradiction, although I don't believe that that is the case. It seems to me and it has seemed this way for a while that Republican elected officials are much. I, I hate to make it such a simplistic thing. I do. But I think for our purposes, the terms will serve us. The Republican elected officials on average are much smarter than Republican voters. Republican elected officials are much more crafty and nuanced than Republican voters. And so while in a public facing way, we have seen both most Republican officials and the vast majority of Republican voters get behind Donald Trump going back to when Trump started running for president and became the nominee in 2016 publicly. Everybody's always Trump's good. We like Trump. Trump's the leader of the party. Privately, many Republicans realize the disaster that Trump has been for them. Many Republican voters don't realize that. And that's the split. And so you have a situation today where around 60 percent of the Republican electorate still plans to vote for Donald Trump in the Republican primary, despite the civilly liable rape, despite the indictments, despite attacking allies and praising authoritarians and having this dictator wannabe situation, despite all of it, six out of 10 Republican primary voters seem to still uh, plan to support Donald Trump. On the other hand, while Donald Trump does still have significant support in the Republican Party among the elected officials, his endorsements and his suggestions and his directions are worth less and less over time. And here we have another example of this as we see Trump say, hey, I like Jim Jordan. That's the guy you should vote for. And the Republican conference, not by an overwhelming number, but certainly by by clear majority saying we don't care what Trump says. We don't care who Trump wants. We're going not with Jim Jordan, but rather with Steve Scalise. So this is going to be an interesting few days. When will we have uh, a speaker of the House again? I don't know. I want to remind many of you that for many on the right, not having a speaker of the House is not actually a problem, because remember, this, there's an asymmetry here. We on the left have usually a pretty clear idea. Of what we want government doing, and it's usually something we want government doing stuff. On the right, you actually have a contingent of Republicans that sees it as a good thing if Congress just can't do anything and Congress can do very little when they don't have a speaker of the House. And so the urgency that some of us feel to actually get a House speaker, even if it's going to be a lunatic, just so some basic things can be accomplished and hopefully a government shutdown can be avoided because it just hurts the people at the end of the day. Uh, we may have uh, we have more of a sense of urgency than Republicans do. So we will continue following it. I don't have a guess at this point as to when there will be a speaker, but maybe at least soon we will get some kind of a better timeline. I have to do something today. That many in my audience aren't going to like, how do I know that many in my audience aren't going to like it? Because the membership cancellations telling me that I am an evil person and not a progressive for my view on the Hamas terrorist attack have already started. Later in the show, I'll give you some specific examples of people who wrote in and said, I'm canceling and I'll tell you exactly why they are doing it. But I know that there is discontent among some in my audience. There is a very good and important article that I would love that I would love for people to read. This is an article in New York magazine by Eric Levitz, 
and the article is called a left that refuses to condemn mass murder is doomed. And the most important point of this article is not about, oh, what about this detail from three years ago or what about that bombing or this bombing or the number of rockets or the context is, of course, the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel. The context of this article is the point I have been trying to make to what I believe are my fellow progressives, which is that we can't lose what the left is. We can't lose what the left is because of litmus tests or confusions or whatever the case may be about what it means to actually support and defend progressive values. And so let's look at a little bit of what the article says, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, Eric Levitz writes this weekend in Israel, a far right Islamist group perpetrated the largest mass killing of Jews since the Holocaust. That's true. Murdering entire families, including babies in their beds, slaughtering 260 concert goers, more than a thousand Israelis killed over a hundred taken hostage. Now, I actually would go further. I believe that by number of casualties, this was the most deadly terror attack since 9-11. Think about that. If anybody has an issue with that, let me know that I believe is the reality. And that's an insane reality. Um, Eric goes on. Israel's far right government predictably responded by choking off all food, electricity and fuel to Gaza's two million residents and then preparing a military assault more untempered by concern for civilian casualties than ever before. That's true. And as progressives, we don't like that. We don't cheer that. We don't celebrate that. That's a disaster. Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant, made the brutality of what is to come plain on Monday, saying we are fighting human animals and we will act accordingly. Even if you feel comfortable applying human animals as a term to those in Hamas willing to uh, uh, carry out this sick violence, the vast majority of Gazans certainly would be inaccurately called human animals. So there is going to be something disgusting to come and we're already seeing it. But let's continue. A not a not small, a no small number and oh, sorry, and no small number of supposed leftists found in all this cause for celebration. Others, meanwhile, loudly refused to condemn Hamas's atrocities, insisting it was not their place to decry the military strategy or violent resistance of oppressed Palestinians. This is outrageous for anyone who considers themselves on the left to be saying. Now, I'm getting heat from people saying, David, I thought you were a progressive. I thought you were a progressive is my reaction. I thought you were a progressive. There is no progressive value here. And in fact, Eric Levitz explains it. In my view, these responses constitute a betrayal of the left's most fundamental values. Either one upholds the equal worth of all human lives, opposes war crimes, and despise, despises far-right ethno-nationalist political projects, or what doesn't? One doesn't. What's more, cheering or publicly announcing your refusal to condemn the murder of children isn't just morally grotesque, but also politically self-defeating. And that is the second layer we will talk about today. It is bad for the Palestinians for the lack of full-throated, no equivocation condemnation of the terrorist attack of Hamas. And I'm not going to read the entire article. I encourage you to check it out. But one other important line, the West's apologists for Palestinian war crimes have far less power 
than its apologists for Israel's brutal domination of the territories and discrimination of Arab citizens of Israel. But precisely because left wing critics of Israeli apartheid lack power, we must not forfeit our moral authority. So what are some of the points that are being made here that I think are really good? And I don't agree with every element of this article, but the main point here is we can't see the left lose what actually makes it the left. When we see videos, you know, the, the video of the murder of one Israeli girl was posted to her Facebook page so that her family would see it. This is grotesque, deliberately brutal stuff. This is not a military operation. When I see some of my supposed fellow progressives say, listen, we can't criticize the way that the Palestinian military has decided to go after its targets. This is not a military operation. OK, this is a terrorist attack. Oh, but Hamas was democratically elected. So in a sense, it is the military. When was the last election in Gaza? It was in 2006. Is it democracy to say that based on the vote? And by the way, Hamas got a plurality, but not even a majority. In, in many places, you would say that's not actually enough to get yourself elected. Uh, uh, many places have a 50% rule, and many countries do. We're going to say this is a military op operation and these are valid participants in, in the conversation. It's not a conversation, it's a massacre because of an election 17 years ago that was tenuous at best. So, Let's be actual leftists, which means what? When we are actual leftists, we don't support authoritarian regimes. We don't support terrorism. We don't support violence of any kind. And that includes violence coming from Israel to innocent Palestinians. We don't support movements that subjugate women or LGBT people or those who say, I don't want to be part of this religion anymore. We feel terribly for the Palestinians living under Hamas. Lots of the people supporting Hamas in the West would be killed by Hamas or at least subjugated. And that's lost on many of the, the so-called progressives on the left. So we need to make sure that we don't ignore death and suffering on any side. On any side, it's a disaster. It also has to be recognized that after a terrorist attack, countries will defend themselves. Apply what happened here with Hamas to anywhere around the world. And we would be saying, well, the, the victims have to defend themselves. Now, do they defend themselves in an appropriate way? Do they even go out? You know, when, when we were attacked by Al Qaeda and went to Iraq, did that make sense? No, it made absolutely no sense. And so we can still be critical. We can still be discerning and all of these different things. But the attacks on me as I thought you were a progressive, I want to hear which progressive value I'm not espousing. And then, as Eric Levitt says, we can't allow the left to forego condemning unequivocally, no, no ifs, ands and buts, no hedging, mass murder. And a little bit later in the show, I'm going to tell you about some of the really crazy stuff that's been said to me by some in my audience. We'll get to that a little bit later. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Anxiety and depression are mental health challenges that affect millions of Americans. Thirty two percent of American adults have reported symptoms of anxiety or depression, but finding the right treatment can be tough. You might have tried things already, might have not been enough, might have not been the right fit. Maybe medications you tried had side effects you didn't like. 
There is an alternative treatment for anxiety and depression that's shown promising results for many, and that's ketamine therapy. Our sponsor, Mindbloom, is a leading provider of at home ketamine therapy. They have a team of licensed doctors and therapists who guide you through the process. Ketamine therapy is based on scientific research that shows it's generally safe and well tolerated without many of the side effects of some other traditional medications. Eighty nine percent of Mindbloom patients report improvements in anxiety or depression after just two sessions. And Mindbloom has a special offer for my audience. You can get one hundred dollars off your first six session program by going to mindbloom.com slash Pacman and using the code Pacman. That's M I N D B L O O M dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for one hundred dollars off. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement. All sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you, NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Our sponsor, Sane Smart, has everything you need for doing your own engravings and 3D printing at home. From CNC machines, laser engraving machines, FDM 3D printers, resin 3D printers, Sane Smart really has you covered, and they are ready to answer your questions. Truly unparalleled customer service. Sane Smart is super beginner friendly. Trust me, I don't know anything about this stuff. Sane Smart sent me their newest machine. It's their Genmisu 3030 Prover Max, which is a desktop CNC router. Basically, it carves different types of materials from metal to wood with extreme precision. This thing is awesome, super easy to set up and just jump right into engraving. The machine is dependable. I love it. I used it to make these metal and wood engravings of our logo, which just look amazing. Getting into CNC engraving or laser engraving, 3D printing. This is an awesome hobby. The machines are small and can go in your garage or on a table somewhere, you can make really cool, unique gifts for friends and family, and it's just fun. That's the bottom line. You'll get 10% off almost all products when you go to davidpackman.com slash engrave and use the code Pacman. That's davidpackman.com slash engrave. Use code Pacman for 10% off. The info is in the podcast notes. Recall that the David Pakman show is primarily funded by our audience, listeners to the podcast, viewers of YouTube clips or people who listen on the radio, watch on TikTok, wherever the case may be. We have a membership program at joinpacman.com. We have a few fewer members than we did yesterday. Thanks to some of the beautiful emails I received, you'll see at the end of the show. But regardless, we still provide what I believe is a nice suite of perks to members including a daily extra show called The Bonus Show, a commercial free experience daily, either in video or audio format, the famous soundboard. Thank your lucky stars every day. You're not Dave Pakman. Right. That is a frickin predator right there. You gotta settle. Exactly. Uh, and invitations to members only town hall events and so many other things. I implore you 
Actually, it's more of just a polite suggestion. Consider getting yourself a membership at joinpacman.com and you can use the coupon code FFOX, FFOX to get yourself a discount. It appears as though it may now be getting to the end for lying, disgraced, diabolical, disgusting, delusional, doofy Republican Congressman George Santos. As you know, George Santos lied about just about every element of his past. I guess his name is really George Santos, but he's actually gone by other names. So there's very little we can say is definitely true about George Santos. Uh, he was indicted once already and now he has been indicted again. Uh, as a result of this, there are now Republicans who are moving to expel George Santos. Reuters reports New York Republicans move to oust George Santos from the U.S. House. A group of New York State Republicans in the House of Representatives will introduce a motion to expel indicted fellow Republican George Santos from the chamber. Two of the members said on Wednesday, I did everything right and they indicted me. <laughs> right. The move comes a day after federal prosecutors filed 23 fresh, totally fresh criminal counts against the first term U.S. representative, accusing him of inflating his campaign's fundraising numbers and charging campaign contributors credit cards without their consent. He has been enmeshed in scandal since November 2022 with a narrow to 221 to 212 majority. The House Republican leadership has not taken action. Santos pleaded not guilty to the initial indictment, says he will do the same for this one. Let's look at some video. Here is Congressman Anthony D'Esposito from New York on his planned resolution to expel Santos from the chamber. Are you going to offer a resolution to expel George Santos? Yeah, that's the plan. We're going to uh, we plan on filing the resolution this afternoon. Uh, it's been co-sponsored by all the New York freshmen. Um, we just feel that uh, enough's enough. Obviously, a couple months back, uh, the suggestion was made because there wasn't a two-thirds vote in order to remove him from the House of Representatives to send it to ethics. I know that uh, ethics has been a little busy, but uh, you know it's time that uh, we see some results. And um, after the, the latest indictment, I think it's clear that uh, he's not fit to serve in the House of Representatives. Yeah, uh, it was actually clear much earlier, but I'm going to get back to that in a moment. He's a stain on the institution, and, and that's why the New York freshmen have, have come together. He's also a stain on our state. There you go. And it is a very horrible stain. It's a, it's one of those stains. Even OxyClean isn't going to get out. Another interesting question that was asked is, will Republicans try to make the Santos expulsion a requirement before they vote on speaker, which would be an interesting way to force the hand of all Republicans. Um, it does not appear that that's going to be the case. Take a listen. So when there is a new speaker of the House, is your plan to go directly to leadership and call for them to back this? I mean, you're sitting here saying that he's not the best representation of the Republican Party. We haven't heard that from Republican leadership right now. I, I predict this resolution is going to catch fire. Many people feel how we do. And right. what my colleague, Mr. D'Esposito, said he is a stain on this institution. Many people feel how we do, and we're eager to see everybody responds. Are you making a requirement for a No, I, and like I said, I don't think that needs to be forced. I think this is going to be organic. And a lot of folks I feel from both sides of the aisle will support the removal of George Santos. So the question again was, are you going to make this removal a requirement of the speaker vote? And he says, no, I don't think we're going to need to force any anybody to do it. I think the 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 chamber uh, this legislative body is ready to remove George Santos. So there are actually two different things here. Let, let's take it step by step. 
I am mixed on expelling Santos on the basis of indictments. Why do I say that? Indictments really are just allegations. Now, there is an insane amount of evidence against George Santos, but I'm a little bit mixed on the arbitrary nature of saying we will if you're indicted, that's an accusation. You haven't been found guilty at this point in time or pleaded guilty. We're going to remove you. I don't believe there's a legal issue. Many companies, Senate has rules, corporations that say if you are indicted of uh, crimes whose punishment could be two years in prison or whatever rule they want to put in, then you're suspended or you must resign or you're fired. I don't have any legal issue with that. But if we do believe in due process and the presumption of innocence until guilt is proven, then I don't know about removing someone because they've been indicted. However, we know put aside crimes. George Santos was elected based on an imaginary story of his life that doesn't exist. He didn't have the business success that he claimed. He didn't uh, have the education that he claimed. He wasn't the sports star that he claimed. He, he may he fabricated whole cloth. Incredibly significant elements of his background and of his life. And for that, he did that. We know he did that. I'm fine with his expulsion. Now, New York Republicans saying, well, this these next set of indictments, dude's already been indicted multiple times. He lied about everything. So what do I think this is really about? I think this is about new other New York Republicans realizing that in New York, Republicans are fewer and further between than in many other places, and that not acting to remove George Santos has the risk of sinking them all in November of 2024. I believe that this is primarily an act of self-preservation. It's not that I doubt that they think Santos is disgusting. I think they've thought that all along. The difference is they now are starting to make the calculation that not acting on Santos is going to hurt them come next election. So do I agree with expelling Santos based on all the lies that he told and that he was essentially elected as a different person who doesn't exist? Absolutely support it 100 percent for the indictments. I don't know. I could go either way. Indictments are mere allegations. Is this primarily driven by self-preservation? I believe the answer is yes. Let me know what you think. Dozens of you writing to me saying, David, Jenk Uger, your friend Jenk Uger is running for president. What? He was born in Turkey. Is he even eligible to be president of the United States? What is this all about? Let's discuss it. I interviewed my friend Jenk Uger a couple of weeks ago. He expressed significant disgust at Joe Biden being the Democratic nominee. Jenk believes Joe Biden cannot win which I disagree with. I think he can win. He won in 2020 when many people said he couldn't win. Um, and Jenk believes that running Joe Biden is a very bad idea. And Jenk's latest decision is that he is going to run for president. Jenk's idea is if he can get himself up to 20 or 25 percent support in the Democratic primary, people will realize that Biden can't win. And then the Democratic Party will push Biden out and select Josh Shapiro or Andy Bashir or someone else to replace Joe Biden. Now, uh, I have everybody should do whatever they thinks is best for the political movement they support. I don't think this is going to work the way Jenk thinks, and he's welcome back on the show anytime. I think there's two layers to this strategy and then legality of Jenk even running. I am not a lawyer, to be very clear. I'm just giving my opinion based on legal opinions I've read. Number one, 
the strategy is Jenk gets himself to 20 to 25 percent, then the Democratic Party will get rid of Joe Biden. I don't know how Jenk will get 20 percent support in a Democratic primary against incumbent Joe Biden when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. with a life legacy in the Kennedy name only ever got up to 20 percent. And much of it was on the back of Republican voters, not Democratic voters dropped to 10 percent, did RFK Jr. and now ended up bailing out of the Democratic primary altogether. And he's running as an independent. So Jenk is saying I can get more support than RFK Jr. And RFK Jr. had a bunch of support from Republicans. I don't know that Democrats are necessarily going to be saying, yeah, I'm going to go to Jenk from Joe Biden, especially when I don't believe Jenk is eligible to be president. Now, I'm also not eligible. Jenk and I are not eligible for the same reason. We were both born in other countries to non citizens of the United States. When Jenk was born in Turkey, he was born to two parents who were not American citizens. When I was born in Argentina, I was born to two parents who were not at the time American citizens. Now, what is the argument legally that Jenk is making for why he can be president? It's a case called Schneider v. Rusk uh, from 1964. Now, in Schneider v. Rusk, the Supreme Court dealt with, is it constitutional to revoke someone's citizenship if they are a naturalized citizen, if they reside in their country of origin? And what this relates to was that there was a different standard. If you were a natural born American citizen and you went and lived in, say, Turkey, there was no mechanism through which your American citizenship could be removed. Contrast that with if you were born in Turkey at the time, came to the US and became a citizen and then moved back to Turkey permanently, you could have your citizenship removed. This case, Schneider v. Rusk, had the Supreme Court finding that that was unconstitutional, that there shouldn't be different provisions with regard to the revoke of uh, uh, having citizenship revoked based on being natural born citizen or a naturalized citizen. What Jenk is arguing, if I understand correctly, is that that case finds that any separate treatment of a natural born citizen versus a naturalized citizen would by default be unconstitutional. Therefore, if you can't treat naturalized citizens differently when it comes to they move elsewhere and you take their citizenship, you also can't deprive them of the right to run for president. The problem with this is that the provisions are different. There is a specific provision in the Constitution which says no person except a natural born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of the Constitution shall be eligible to the office of the president. So naturalized citizens are not eligible to run for president. Schneider v. Rusk did not challenge that. It didn't change that. It didn't deal with it whatsoever. It does not allow for a naturalized citizen to run for president because it just doesn't address that issue. Now, what I do think Jenk believes is he could challenge the presidency rule in the Constitution on the basis of this case, even though the case doesn't say anything about it. He could use that case, go to the Supreme Court and say, I actually am eligible. Um, the legal reviews of Schneider v. Rusk that I found disagree with that. And my instinct is that if there were something to that legal argument, maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger would have explored it and we would have seen a serious challenge to this before. So I Jenks great 
in so many different ways. Friend of mine, I don't see him getting the 20 percent support he thinks that he would be able to get in order to push Biden out. And I don't see him making any progress on determining that he is legally able to run for president. Same thing applies to me. I'm not eligible to run for president. I don't believe Jenk is. I don't believe Arnold is. Let me know your thoughts. We'll do a follow up if there's interest in this story. Staying properly nourished is just so important to feeling your best every day. Our sponsor, AG1, makes it so simple. Just a single scoop of AG1 a day. You get 75 high quality vitamins and probiotics from whole food sources. You're covered for the day. Half of Americans are deficient in vitamins A and C and magnesium. Not everybody has time to perfectly plan every meal. And I don't know that any of us want to be spending a whole bunch of money on endless different vitamins and supplements. AG1 just simplifies it and it's more cost effective. I take a single scoop of AG1 in the morning before my coffee. Tastes great with water, but you can mix it, quite frankly, into anything you want. With that one scoop, I'm covered for the day, getting everything I want. It's easy and it's a simple routine that works. Go to drinkag1.com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG1 plus a free one year supply of vitamin D. That's drinkag, the number one dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Don't you think it's time you stopped putting smoke and vape oils in your lungs? Zipix toothpicks are a convenient way to curb the nicotine cravings. Zipix toothpicks are super discreet. You can use them anytime, anywhere. Smoking and vaping aren't allowed, including flights, sporting events in restaurants. They're available in six different flavors with options of two and three milligrams of nicotine. If you're not a nicotine user, Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks. Zipix has already helped tens of thousands of customers ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vapes. They might be able to help you too. If you're a smoker or a vapor, give Zipix toothpicks a try. Your lungs will thank you. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com today. Save 10% with the code PACMAN10 at checkout. Just remember, you must be 21 or older to order. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. Use promo code PACMAN10 at checkout for 10% off. That's PACMAN10. The info is in the podcast notes. Donald Trump gave what I believe to be the most despicable speech, at least in years yesterday in West Palm Beach at Club 47. That really says a lot because Donald Trump has given a lot of really despicable speeches. But he went right after Joe Biden with regards to the Hamas terrorist attack against Israel. Later, you'll see how he actually turns on Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, and it's all because it's all about Trump. That's really what matters. But this truly was such a deranged and demented speech that it reminds us Trump. F the first Trump term, if Trump gets a second one, may seem like patty cake compared to what may be facing the country and the world if Trump gets another four years. Here is Trump going right after Joe Biden saying Biden tossed Israel to the thirst, bloodthirsty jihadis. Take a listen to this. And I fought for Israel like no president in history. But then crooked Joe Biden came along and tossed 
Israel to the bloodthirsty jihadists. That's what happened. He gave them no, he wouldn't even call up the prime minister, they called him. It's a very sad thing when you look at what happened. What a difference a president makes. Now, of course, everything Trump says is uh, usually a lie, and he makes no actual uh, explanation as to what exactly Joe Biden did. But he's on the bandwagon, which is Biden's. It's Biden's fault. What Hamas did is Biden's fault. Trump then praising Hezbollah, calling the terrorist group very smart. Why is it Trump can't stop praising terrorists, either because it's convenient to his political narrative or because he's genuinely impressed with dictators and terrorists? Listen to this horrifying the world. It it would have been inconceivable at one point for a former or sitting American president to say something like this. And then two nights ago, I read all of Biden's security people. Can you imagine national defense people? By the way, Trump doesn't read. So the idea that he read anything is very difficult to believe. And they said, gee, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack from the north because that's the most vulnerable spot. I said, wait a minute. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. The press doesn't like when they say, a, whoa, you know, I said that President Xi of China, 1.4 billion people, he controls it with an iron fist. I said, he's a very smart man. Right. They killed me the next day. I said he was smart. What am I going to say? But Hezbollah, they're very smart. Yeah. I mean, terrorists and dictators, it's not so much that they're smart. It's that they're brutal. And they have a national defense minister or somebody saying, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack us from the north. So the following morning they attacked. They might not have been doing it, but if you listen to this jerk, you would attack from the north because he said that's our weak spot. And if you think Trump is sounding increasingly unintelligible here, you're completely correct. This insanity continued after praising Hezbollah as smart. Trump makes the claim that Joe Biden is letting terrorists into the country because of Barack Hussein Obama. What does that mean? I don't know. I guess Hussein, because Barack Obama's middle name is Hussein. Joe Biden's letting terrorists in how this relates to Hamas attacking Israel. I don't know. And then Trump swears, which his the crowd loves it when Trump swears. Instead of keeping terrorists and terrorist sympathizers out of America, the Biden administration is inviting them in. You know why? Because he's got a boss. Who's his boss? Barack Hussein Obama. Barack, ah. Hussein. Barack Hussein Obama. Remember the great Rush Limbaugh? Barack Hussein Obama. Here you go, Barack Hussein. Obama. Hello, Lee. Unbelievably, the corrupt Biden Department of Justice recently invited an Iranian backed judge from Iraq to visit our nation's capital. Isn't that nice? He couldn't have been too impressed with our capital. It looks like the crowd just loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it when Donald Trump swears. Now, that's straight up xenophobia. When when the late Rush Limbaugh used to do that, he did do that routine that Trump cites Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, Hussein. Oh, my goodness. When Rush Limbaugh did that, it was straight up uh, xenophobia. It was that's the name of someone who is an other who could not possibly have the interests of the United States as a priority. That's what they mean by Hussein. Hussein is a code for that. Ann Coulter used to do President Hussein. That's the guy who has our interest in mind. President Hussein. It's just xenophobia. That's all it is. It's basic standard xenophobia. Trump claims 
that if Joe Biden had not stolen the election from him, Hamas never would have attacked Israel on Saturday. And if the election wasn't rigged, there would be nobody even thinking about going into Israel. The election was rigged. And of course, Hamas famously decides whether to attack Israel based on who was elected president in the United States years earlier. It's feeling a little bit shaky as a political theory. Trump did bring back the trans weightlifting routine. This is a very transphobic portion of Trump's speeches. He doesn't always do this, but he did do it yesterday. So I'll do it just a quickie for you. Okay, if you don't mind. So she gets down, she goes up. Oh, oh. And her parents are just so proud of her. And she's getting ready to make the last move. And she can't do it. There you go. Crowd, uh, I guess liking it a little bit less than normal, maybe getting a little bored with that routine. As Trump has been claiming, with Russia and Ukraine, that if he were president in 24 hours, he would end that war. How? We never know. I guess he would tell them they got to settle. Got to settle. There it is. Uh, Trump also says that um, he will stop the Israel Hamas war, I guess, right away if you elect him president. How? Again, we just we just don't know. I withdrew from the disastrous Iran nuclear deal and imposed the toughest ever sanctions on the murderous Iranian regime. They never had it so bad. We decimated their finance and choked off the money to pay to the terrorist thugs. And look what happened now. I was also proud to be the best friend Israel has ever had in the White House by far. All right. So um, Trump just kind of a free, free word association there. And then lastly, going after Joe Biden even further. And at the end of the day, everything's Biden's fault from this perspective. With crooked Joe Biden, you have chaos, bloodshed, war, terror and death. Look what's happening today because the occupant of the White House is a laughingstock all over the world. America's enemies cannot believe how lucky they got. They got real lucky. Every monster, villain, dictator and terrorist, and there are plenty of them. I know most of them. I got to know a lot of them. All over the planet, they're having a field day because they know they will never have it better than they do with Crooked Joe, who in many cases receive money from those countries. I wonder what that's all about. I know that many, many of us have become desensitized to this sort of rhetoric. But this is truly deranged rhetoric. The idea that it is Joe Biden's fault that Putin invaded Ukraine, the idea that it is Joe Biden's fault that Hamas launched a terrorist attack against Israel, that it is Joe Biden's fault because he had money released in exchange for some hostages. The idea that every ill, not just in the United States, but in the world is Joe Biden's fault is one of the most corrosive things that can be said, particularly by former presidents. I don't believe there's any magic rule where former presidents shouldn't criticize current presidents. You know, George W. Bush, Clinton with Bush and Bush with Obama and Obama to some degree with Trump. There, there's these conventions, you know, I, I'm not going to get in the way. I know how difficult these jobs are. Even if I see things not being done right, I'm going to kind of keep my mouth shut. Um, this is something completely different and more benignly. You know, there's the gas prices game. Well, the gas prices are high because of Biden. They're really not. 
But that is a different thing than saying all of the geopolitical ills and the aggressiveness of the world. It's all because of Joe Biden. If China goes into Taiwan, it will have been because Joe Biden is weak on China. This is actually bad for everybody. And this is actually bad for national security as well, because Trump is pushing. If Trump's priority were a strong United States by the standards he uses to determine that you wouldn't want to be exposing the supposed weaknesses of the United States in this way. But remember, Trump only cares about himself. He cares only about defending his actions, and he cares so much about that that he actually went after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Let's talk about that next. There's a specific part of the speech that Trump gave yesterday at Club 47 in West Palm Beach, Florida. Trump is so brazen that he will turn on and will attack anyone if it serves him. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu praised and thanked President Joe Biden for his support, for his concern after the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel. And Trump just doesn't like that. Trump, who praised and talked about how great Israel, he's a defender and BB and all this different stuff. So now Trump starts to turn on Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu. To be clear, Trump's actual opinions haven't changed on anything. Trump doesn't really have hard and fast opinions, values and principles. His primary principle is who's being good with to, to me and praising me and I praise them. And if they stop, then I attack them. Listen to this room. We followed the whole thing and. About 15 seconds later, it was all over. Right. And we did it. But I'll never forget. I'll never forget that BB Netanyahu let us down. That was a very terrible thing. I will say that. And uh -oh. uh, among Republicans, you're never supposed to criticize BB like this. What's going on? So when I see uh, sometimes uh, the intelligence, you talk about the intelligence or you talk about some of the things that went wrong over the last week. Uh, they've got to straighten it out because they're fighting potentially a very big force. They're fighting potentially Iran. Israel is messing up, not what you usually hear from Trump. What's this all about? I'll tell you in a second. And when they have people saying the wrong things, everything they say is being digested by these people because they're vicious and they're smart. And boy, are they vicious because nobody's ever seen the kind of sight that we've seen. Nobody's ever seen it. But they cannot play games. So we were disappointed by that, very disappointed. But we did the job ourselves, and it was absolute precision, magnificent, beautiful job. Yep. Trump didn't have Bibi's help when he went after Kasim Soleimani. So let me tell you what this is about. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu recognized that Joe Biden defeated Trump and was president of the United States rightfully. Trump didn't like that. And this goes back several years, and this rubbed Trump the wrong way. And now Benjamin Netanyahu has said, hey, Joe Biden's been good to us. I heard from Joe Biden. He's helping. Everything's good. Everything's fine. I'm happy with the help I'm getting from Joe Biden. And Trump doesn't like it. This is a reminder from Trump to everybody, Benjamin Netanyahu, any world leader. Trump is loyal to himself. And it's not even about criticizing Trump even just praising the guy that Trump sees as his enemy and sees as the guy who stole the last election from him. That is enough to trigger Trump's ire. That's what this is fundamentally all about. And as I said, you know, the, the Republicans love to say one of their principles is we always support Israel. We always defend Israel. We always praise Israel, especially right wing Israeli prime ministers like Bibi. Well, it's not really a value for Trump. 
It's a value for Trump for as long as he feels like they are, quote, loyal. And even just saying Joe won. Joe is helping. We appreciate Joe. That's enough for Trump to come out with these stories. Another reason why he's unfit to be president, because he is not a reliable negotiating partner, because at any time that he doesn't simply like what you've said about him or even about someone he doesn't like, all of a sudden that alliance crumbles. We'll take a quick break and be back after this. Many people know how hard it is to break bad habits, and sometimes you have to replace a bad habit with a better habit. And that is exactly what our sponsor Fume helps you do. Fume is not a vape. I don't advertise vape stuff. There's no nicotine. There's no electronics. Fume is a small cylindrical wooden device that just delivers plant flavored air. It comes in a variety of flavors that people love crisp mint, maple pepper, white cranberry. They've got new flavors, sparkling grapefruit, orange, vanilla. Importantly, it just gives your hand something to do. It's a device that feels good in your hand or in your pocket. You can take it anywhere and it satiates that hand to mouth fixation that if you're trying to break a bad habit can be very useful. It's also fun to fidget with, which is important too. it has an adjustable airflow dial, a magnetic end cap. It gives your fingers something to do, even if it's in your pocket. Check out the reviews online. You'll see so many people have been skeptical at first about fume. They try it and they are very pleasantly surprised. Go to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10% when you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and several flavors to try. That's tryfum.com. Then use code Pacman for 10% off the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. Well, I have big news for everybody. Eric Trump has finally found the proof that the election was rigged, and it's everything we need to have a really good discussion about cult psychology. Um, take a look at this video. This is an I think that actually this is an interview with Carrie Lake. I don't know if Carrie Lake is conducting the interview or if Eric Trump is conducting the interview or if this is not even Carrie Lake. But here is Eric Trump explaining how he knows that uh, Joe Biden stole or stole the 2020 election. Listen to this. You'll never have me believe uh, that there wasn't serious fraud in the election. I would parallel Joe Biden around the country. He'd be in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. I'd be across the block somewhere, you know, Wilkes-Barre. He would have 20 people. I'd have a thousand. If it looks like a duck and acts like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a damn duck, right? And All right. So it is with Carrie Lake. So Eric says Biden would go here and Eric would go to the same place. And Biden had 20 people at his rally and Eric had a thousand. So clearly, if, if you translate that to votes, it means it couldn't possibly have been the case that Joe Biden actually won. Now, there's two layers to this. I don't want to focus on the first layer. The first layer is remember what was going on at the time with covid and that Joe Biden just wasn't really doing the mass rallies because it was considered irresponsible at the time to do it. You can agree or disagree that it was, but it was considered irresponsible to do it by much of the country. And so Joe Biden just wasn't doing those types of events, whereas the Trump people were. But forget about that. OK. This is all about how cults work. Those who follow Trump are in a cult to a great degree, and those who follow Joe Biden are not. Let me say it in a different way. People who follow Joe Biden or who supported Joe Biden did not see Biden as someone to have an unwavering belief or allegiance to. Cults revolve around some leader, usually a charismatic leader. Now, they could be genuinely charismatic or just 
sort of like appear to be charismatic to low information people doesn't really matter. They're perceived as charismatic and Trump's cult perceives him as charismatic. And you have an unwavering belief in an allegiance to that leader and you have to demonstrate that allegiance. The left doesn't have an unwavering belief in Joe Biden. The left doesn't have an unwavering allegiance to Joe Biden. We just look at the candidates and we vote for the better one, the least worse one, whatever you want to say, you, you, you put them on a scale and you say, which candidate are we better off with at the end of the day? And then you vote and then you move on with your day. You don't see the cultish behavior on the left in this way. You don't see the flags. You don't see the uh, same sort of you know boat parades or attacking everyone on the internet who goes after. When I see people attack Joe Biden on the internet, I I just move on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to the extent that I do a show, if I see Republicans going after Biden in an unfair way, we talk about it here, and that's it. If you look online at what happens when people go after Trump these right wing nuts come out of the woodwork and they attack your family and they attack you as a person and all of these different things. So this is all about what is Biden about and what is Trump about? Biden doesn't invite the cultish following that Eric is referring to with the flags and the screaming and the crosses and the entire thing. Biden's about functional leadership. Biden's about policy. Biden's not about symbolism and rituals as many cult leaders are. Trump is about us versus them. Populist rhetoric, Trump as a person rather than Trump as here's a series of policy ideas. Remember that none of Biden's campaign was about Biden as a personality. Everything about Trump's campaign is about Trump as a personality and as an individual. So Eric Trump is right. You didn't see the unhinged cultish support of Biden that you saw of Trump. But that has nothing to do with how people voted. And there continues to be no evidence that Joe Biden stole the election from Trump. Not that I need to tell most of my audience that, but I figured I would mention it. All right. Listen, this is really ugly. Um, I expected some of this. I expected that when on Monday I went to you and I said, listen, guys, I'm going to tell you about what happened in Israel. I'm going to talk about this terrorist attack by Hamas. The MAGA right is unhinged on this issue. Some on the far left, far left are very wrong on this issue. I'm going to tell it the way I see it. I do every segment the way I see the story. I knew that some of this was going to happen. But it's still a really disappointing and difficult thing, more because of my concern for the future of the left. OK, here are some select emails of my own, not just people in my audience, people who were paying for memberships, people who liked what I did enough to pay. Check out some of these, e these emails I received. First one's from Chris. Chris says, David, your woeful mischaracterization of Hamas as a terrorist organization is laughable at best and downright ignorant at worst. To claim their attacks on Israel were terrorist attacks? Unbelievable. Did you even bother to dig deeper or do you just parrot what's popular? I don't want to be associated with a platform that's so out of touch cancel my membership and refund me now. What do you want me to say? Oh, you know what? I just lost six dollars a month. I'm sorry. It wasn't a terrorist attack. It was legitimate resistance. No, I don't say things to my audience that I don't believe. OK, so this is a bummer. This is bad for the show. This is someone who's saying, hey, I don't like your opinion. And so I'm going to do what I can to financially hurt what you're doing. 
but I always do every story the way I see it. Um, here's another one. This one says, hi, I'd like a refund for my membership and you can delete my account from your website. Part of being progressive is covering the news, irregardless of how uncomfortable it may be. You've shown that you're unable to take constructive feedback, information or any other opinion than the narrative you would prefer to share with your viewers. That's not really progressive. It's just privilege and yours shows. Please reimburse me. Um, I have the view I have because I'm progressive and I've explained it many times. Here's another one. David, every time you open your mouth about Hamas or their response towards Israel, it becomes painfully clear you haven't the slightest clue. Their actions were not acts of terror. Maybe try understanding the context for once. I won't be funding this farcical platform any longer. Cancel my membership and give me back my money. You need it more than I do, perhaps for an education. It was a terrorist attack. And I'm going to continue to say that. Uh, but here's a positive one. OK, this stuff is out there. Uh, this is somebody who wrote in and, and actually uh, thinks what, what I'm saying makes sense. This is from Timothy. Timothy says your excellent moving treatment of Israel's war. Thank you for your outstanding discussion of leftists, rightists, progressives and the war between Israel and Hamas. So many excellent observations so forcefully presented. I doubled my subscription. Keep up the great work. Timothy from Oak Park, Illinois. So listen, I'm always going to do the stories my way. That that's it. That's you're not ever going to wonder, am I concocting some view in order to achieve clicks or getting people to get memberships? OK, I have never taken any position on this program to appease anybody so that they'd get a membership or not cancel a membership or restart a membership. So we're going to take losses. We're seeing a consolidation. And this is a real test. This is a real test of are people willing to actually look at the facts or are they so ideologically committed to packages of views that they say, well, here's the totality of what a progressive believes and that's it. Um, we're going to continue doing what we're doing and some people won't like it and they'll cancel their support. And if enough people do it, maybe it will hurt the show. But the alternative is what me contriving views in order to try to calculate what's going to piss off the fewest number of people. Give me a break, guys. OK, so we've lost lost some members. If you want to replace some of these folks who are canceling angry in this way, you can do it at joinpacman.com. I would love to welcome you if you believe what we're doing here is valuable. And I would also say if you don't like what I'm saying and you don't want to sign up and support, that's OK, too. You don't have to. Nobody has to. Everything here is optional. We're doing this show every day and making it available for free to everybody. And if you don't like what I'm saying, you can certainly find alternatives where I'm sure you will find someone saying what it is that you want to hear. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. I hope this is satire. Here's a guy claiming he kicked his son out of his house because his son watches this show. I hope this is a joke. Hey, David, my son watched your show. Yeah. And uh, told me about it. And I had to kick him out. Yeah, I kicked him out of my damn house and he ain't coming back. 
unless he renounces. I mean, you have got him believing in some crazy shit. The, I mean, he's getting booster vaccines and shit. Like, <laughs> you are poisoning my boy. And I'm... It's satire, right? Yeah, anyway. He, I, I mean, he just turned 18, but I had to kick him out. Like, there was no other choice. He's gone down the Democrat rabbit hole, loony bin. People talk about the right-wing rabbit hole. They don't even understand how bad the Democrat rabbit hole can be. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've gone into space. Not just off the deep end, you've gone into space. So, oh, yeah, anyway. Uh, David, uh, you are a commie, okay? <laughs> so listen. I'm 60 40 that that is satire, but I'm also a little bit scared that this guy really kicked his son out of his house for getting a covid booster. By the way, I got mine last week. I felt sort of a little bit of malaise for like 10 hours. Um, anyway, I really hope that that's satire. We have a great bonus show for you today. We will talk about the supposedly anti-war magas suddenly hawks once again. We will talk about Sarah Huckabee Sanders office overseeing the purchase of a nearly $20,000 lectern and the controversy that has come with it and more labor action. Walgreens pharmacists walked off the job over working conditions. We will discuss this latest labor action and so much more on today's bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. But everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Make money on the bonus show. That's my pitch to you. Sign up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code four years for indictments for a discount. Get the full David Pacman experience. I'll see you then. Or back here tomorrow if you aren't a member.